Welcome to Mary's Cup of Tea, the self-love podcast for women. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski, an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that will inspire you to love yourself. Hello, self-lover. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure you know about my two books on self-love. If you're struggling with body image or self-acceptance, then I highly recommend you check out my first book, The Gift of Self-Love. It's a comprehensive workbook to help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to love who you are. Thousands of people have this book and the five-star reviews are so amazing. They give me so much life. So I hope that this is something that can help you too. You can get it wherever books are sold by searching for The Gift of Self-Love or go to my website, maryscupoftea.com slash book. After releasing The Gift of Self-Love and reading all your positive feedback, I realized that we really needed something to keep us going every single day. So not a deep dive workbook, but maybe like a micro dose of self-love in your daily life, which is why I wrote 100 Days of Self-Love. It's a guided journal with, you guessed it, 100 prompts that cover so many areas of life, including body, identity, purpose, emotions, mindset, relationships, and more. So you can really think of it as a metaphorical multivitamin, something to keep you going, or as I like to say, growing on your self-love journey. You can get this journal wherever books are sold as well by searching for 100 Days of Self-Love or go to maryscupoftea.com slash journal. It's my mission to share all the self-love tea with you, so I hope that both my books and this podcast can do just that. About a month ago, in episode 163, I shared with you how I've been feeling lost in life lately, and that's causing a plethora of different convoluted feelings for me, including feeling overwhelmed and a little insecure with who I am. So I started taking notes about like the weird shit I resort to when I'm struggling with my self-confidence and the kind of pesky, hidden, insidious ways that a lack of self-confidence personally manifests for me. And I wanted to share this episode in case you might be doing the same kinds of things, but not realizing that they're really related to confidence and self-esteem. Just a quick reminder, the reason why I'm using confidence and self-esteem in this podcast episode as opposed to self-worth is because if you remember from my book, The Gift of Self-Love, the first chapter is about the self-love formula. And I talk about the difference between confidence and self-worth. Self-esteem or confidence, I use those interchangeably, they are very situational. They depend on a very specific area of your life. They're related to one thing. Now, of course, if you let it consume you, then it's going to start affecting your self-worth overall. So for example, if you're feeling insecure in your body, that could be a self-esteem issue. But if you're like constantly feeling insecure in your body and it's trickling into all the other areas of your life, then it starts affecting your self-worth, how good enough you feel as a whole. This particular podcast episode is more about confidence and self-esteem because it's related to very particular areas in my life. So here are five signs of struggling with self-confidence 
just five. There's so, so many, but I don't want to make us feel too bad about ourselves. So let me tell you the shit that I've been up to lately that has been not helping. So the first thing is rearranging my space from an agitated place. What I mean by that is moving around the same five pieces of furniture in my office, trying to redecorate and almost getting like really fixated on it and frustrated with myself when I feel like I'm not getting it perfect. So what this is about is things outside of me feeling so out of control. For example, my life purpose, where is my career headed? And so I resort to trying to control my literal physical space in attempts to create some sort of certainty and stability and I guess, illusion of things being in order. So I've been moving around these same five pieces of furniture. And sometimes I go to Pinterest, I try to like get inspired, and then it only makes me compare and feel not good enough. And then I get overwhelmed and I don't end up really doing anything or like buying any pieces of furniture that I actually like. It's just this constant refresh of Facebook marketplace. And my husband caught me doing it. He's like, you've been like on Facebook marketplace so much. And I'm like, yeah, it's my kink. What I meant to say was it's kind of the thing I go to when I'm feeling insecure in other areas of my life. I think that redecorating and changing out my furniture is going to make me feel better. The antidote to this, or what I'm trying to practice instead, is honestly living in a messy office right now. If you saw my surroundings, they are chaotic. And I decided to still sit down and record this podcast episode because I know that it's important. There is a difference between something feeling urgent and something actually being important to you. So urgency is that thing on your to-do list that's been like hanging over your head and it feels like it's important. It's usually actually somebody else's to-do list, right? Like your boss or a colleague, an email that's been sitting there, an appointment you haven't scheduled. And these things feel urgent and sometimes feels like I can't do anything else until I get this one thing done. And sometimes, yes, you got to get that thing done. But for me, with my office cleaning decor situation, it's almost a way to just keep on procrastinating and keep giving myself an excuse, a reason to beat myself up. Something that I tell myself as to why I can't record my podcast episode because my office is a disaster. So then I keep procrastinating, procrastinating, and it all goes back to my confidence and my self-esteem and feeling like I'm not really good enough and my appearance isn't what I want it to be. I don't mean just like my body physical appearance, but like the way I show up in the world. So I turn to external things to try to fix my internal reality, which brings me to the second sign of a lack of self-confidence is compulsively buying products filled with false promises. Again, I'm not saying it's bad to buy new things for yourself, but if it's filled with this frantic energy and a lack of thoughtfulness, then you're probably trying to fill some sort of internal void with an external, usually surface level solution. And we're buying into these false promises like the influencer that 
pulls off the outfit so well that you think if I buy this expensive thing, then I'll finally feel fabulous or this new makeup will make me look cool when you have probably a lot of unused makeup like I do in your drawer. But the new shiny thing feels like it might make you feel good and it can very temporarily. So you have to remind yourself that those positive feelings associated with a capitalistic, frantic purchase are short-lived. They're not long-lasting. You'll get a little rush when the mailman comes. And then once you open that box and use it a couple times, the next week, you're just going to find yourself in the same kind of place. Everything you buy, the novelty factor eventually wears off. So for me, what I'm trying to practice And I feel like a big undertone of this entire podcast episode is this anti-consumerist era that I'm in. Well, I'm deliberately trying to be in because I know I'm like, Mary, you're not feeling fully confident in a lot of your decisions and choices and purchases. So everything I do from this mindset I have to just be very thoughtful and intentional about and ask myself, like, am I trying to fill a void or do I really, really need this? Or it's okay to want things like don't get me wrong, but capitalism has really tricked us into thinking that the solution, happiness, confidence, positive feelings in general lie in something outside of ourselves, usually something that costs money, something that's relatively expensive or even inaccessible, unattainable to a certain population. And that's just not the truth. The most confident, happiest people I know are also very humble. They don't rely on materialistic things. And this is cliche, you know this, but how often do we turn to TikTok and Amazon and (laughs) trying to look for things to fill our closet instead of filling up our cup and our soul with more self-love. Wow, that sounded really cheesy. So I'm sorry for putting it that way, but just like think twice before you buy things, especially if you know you're already feeling a little bit disgruntled in your self-esteem already. About three years ago, I started putting together a playlist with uplifting, inspiring, and empowering songs. I originally did this for myself because I love music of all different genres, and every time I would notice a song that just made me feel good, I would add it to my self-love playlist. And now there are over 300 songs on my Spotify self-love playlist, and these tracks are perfect for when you're getting ready, trying to hype yourself up, or going through a struggle and need a reminder for how badass you are. If you love music as much as I do, then go to maryscupoftea.com slash playlist to get the Spotify link. It will ask you for your email so that I can send you this self-love playlist. And full transparency, this will also put you on my email list where I send out a monthly newsletter about stuff I'm thinking about, personal things, things I don't really share on social media, and all the happenings in the Mary's Cup of Tea world. So go to maryscupoftea.com slash playlist and let's start jamming to my self-love playlist together. (music) 
This also flows into number three, which is turning to Google and Quora and TikTok and YouTube and Reddit, etc. for the answers or not being able to make a decision without getting it validated by a friend or a family member or even a stranger on the internet first. You don't need to text the group chat before you post the selfie. You don't need your mom's approval. You don't need to run every single little thing by your spouse. Sometimes it can feel really empowering to keep certain things to yourself and like make decisions on your own and not suck somebody else into that thought process. I say that because like I mentioned a couple minutes ago, I get a little bit like fixated on certain things. And one recent purchase that I made is actually a camera. It's a used camera. Of course, I spent a ton of time researching it. So I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like you want to research things before you buy them. Not doing so would be contradictory to point number two, which is like compulsively shopping. So I'm proud of myself for like picking this camera that I'm really excited about pursuing something new, picking up a hobby, actually learning photography, not for content, but literally just for myself. And every single part of me wanted to like tell my husband and justify it to him and explain. And I did do that at times, but I'm still really proud of myself because I didn't do it as much as I usually do so. (laughs) And sometimes I drive the both of us crazy with my, you know, distrust in myself and calling up everybody I know to get their okay before I pull the trigger on something. And this doesn't mean that you have to be isolated and do everything on your own. Community is very, very important. Sometimes though, if you're pursuing any type of personal growth or just going through life and like noticing things in yourself, employing self-awareness, emotional intelligence, think about like every single thing you do as on a spectrum. So if your default is very extreme in one direction, for example, my default is to tell everybody about every single decision I'm about to make and run it by them and research like crazy person before doing anything because I'm so afraid of making the wrong decision. I think it relates to not trusting myself and not wanting to get things wrong because I want to be perfect. And it's a lot. Okay. (laughs) That's kind of like the default frantic place I operate from. So in order for me to grow, I have to push myself toward that other end of the spectrum, which is sometimes just doing the thing, buying the item. So if yours is the opposite direction, then just ditch everything I said, scratch all of that and bring yourself to some sort of level of equilibrium, just baby steps, pushing yourself a little bit into the opposite direction very gently could be a beautiful way to approach personal growth with a ton of self-compassion. So remember that self-confidence is literally defined by a feeling of trust in one's abilities, qualities, and judgment. So trust your judgment. You don't always have to turn to forums and articles and friends to validate your decision. Okay, number four is lying to yourself. Now we all lie to ourselves to some extent, But when you're really in a self-confidence rut, chances are you're lying to yourself more often and in a more extreme way. The way this shows up for me personally is making myself sound 
worse off than I actually am. So what I mean by that is I start using very extreme word choice. I'll make things very black and white. I'll say things to myself like, I'm just not a good content creator. Nobody wants to hear from me. I will never build a successful and sustainable business. I have a bad eye for interior design and I'm never going to get this office to look the way that I want it to. The reality is that I'm probably not a bad content creator. I don't know if I'm the best, but like clearly I have something to show. But when I am deep in my insecurities, my brain starts thinking very black and white. It's like very dramatic. It's like if then, it's like good, bad. I'm judging myself very, very harshly. Now, this might be pretty obvious or self-explanatory. Like, yeah, don't talk shit to yourself because that's going to affect your self-esteem. But I really like to present it as lying to yourself. Why are you deliberately lying to yourself and making your situation or your personality sound worse off than it actually is? Stop doing that shit to yourself. It's okay to say I'm feeling insecure about my content right now, or I'm afraid that not as many people are going to listen to the podcast episode when I share some of the stuff that I'm really struggling with instead of like the most inspirational advice. It's okay to like admit that to yourself, but stop using extreme words like always, never, good, bad. These are judgments and lies. They're not the truth. And one more small little thing related to this is I kind of, this sounds really bad. Oh my gosh, I'm really letting you inside my head and I hope I don't sound like a hypocrite, but sometimes things get really dark and I start like cussing at myself. Like I'll refer to myself as a bitch ass or I'll be like, like, why can't my bitch ass just like figure this the fuck out? Like I start just being very vulgar. Sorry to talk this way. I should have, should have put a little content warning before I said that out loud, but That's what I mean by like just lying to myself. You just get so goddamn mean. And instead of saying it like, just talk nicer to yourself, stop speaking so badly. (laughs) I like to call it lies. They are lies. They're not the truth. And Mary, you are being a liar right now. You're deliberately lying to yourself and it's not helping you or anyone around you. Just a little tough love to combat the tough hate you might have been putting yourself through if you're in a self-confidence rut like me. The last thing I'm going to touch on here also relates to lying to yourself because what is actually happening when you're lying to yourself is a type of victim mentality. It's the woe is me, I can't do it, I'm never going to get it right. It's again very black and white. But when you are embodying this type of victim mentality, first of all, you're taking away all the power from yourself. Like, hello, the world is hard enough as it is, especially on women, marginalized people, whatever intersection you're living at. So why make things worse for yourself? It's essentially giving up all your control and your power. And in psychology, the technical phrase for this is called an external locus of control. So people with a high external locus of control tend to be a little bit victim-y and blamey and it's always somebody else's fault and they can't get it right and like woe is me whatever and everybody experiences that to some extent again it's all on a spectrum but 
confident people are proven to have a greater sense of an internal locus of control. So feeling like empowered and not victim to their circumstances and like things are actually in their control. That's why people who have it easier in life in terms of privilege and who have accessibility and money to afford certain resources, that's why they will actually self-report as having a higher internal locus of control because so many things were handed to them that they feel like it's their own doing. (laughs) And thus it creates more confidence, which is kind of backwards because you'd think that a person who has had to fight for it is the one that would end up building more confidence. But that's just not always statistically, I guess, the case. What happens is if you are a marginalized person in society, for example, and the world treats you like shit and things are not in your control and you're always getting beat down, obviously that's going to get to you. And over time, you're just going to convince yourself that you don't have power, that you don't have control, that you can't do anything about this situation. So I wanted to acknowledge like both sides of that coin that sometimes, yes, it is a privilege thing and there is certain groups of people that get more affected by this. But I think there's a little piece of this that warrants us to admit to ourselves when we are falling into victim mentality. And this is where my stance on this phrase victim mentality, again, I think it can be kind of controversial in the coaching world, in the like mental health space, because from my life coaching training, for example, the like number one thing they tell you is like personal responsibility. Take responsibility for everything. You you are responsible for your life. Manifest, attract, do it. If it's to be, it's up to me. And it's a lot of this like rah, rah, you can do anything. And in some ways that is motivating, but it also erases people who are legitimately struggling due to circumstances completely outside of their control. And there's a huge social justice piece missing from that. And then I feel like once you get into that social justice piece, then it is very easy to fall into, or at least I did after hanging out in these circles for a little bit, you end up being in this echo chamber of like, everything sucks. The world is built for cis, hetero, straight, white men. And if you're anything outside of that, then you can't create anything for yourself. And you kind of just have to like sit around and complain or fight for change. And probably both. (laughs) And I think that can also be very disempowering. So I think it's an aspect of both. The antidote, and in a sense, the happy medium between those two extremes is what I like to call, and this is honestly something that I just say to myself, like a little mantra, is take responsibility for what you can control and accept what you cannot. And remember accepting doesn't mean you are complacent. You cannot change what you don't accept. So even if you want to create change, you still have to come to a sense of awareness and acceptance and like, okay, this is the way things are. And here's what's within my power and control to change them. Here's where I can do a little reality check within myself and ask myself like, 
Am I making excuses? Am I procrastinating? Am I self-sabotaging? Do I need support? Like, do I need somebody to believe in me until I can believe in myself? So there's a lot there to unpack, but this is just a little something that has been helping me build confidence, which again is taking responsibility for what I can control and accepting what I cannot. So in practice, that looks like, okay, I can control how I show up in my relationship with my family, to my community, doing the things that I set out to do. But maybe one thing I can't really control right now, or at least it feels like I can't, is my inspiration and motivation. Like, yeah, there's to an extent a certain way that I can get myself to be a little bit more upbeat about what I'm doing. But I also want to accept that I'm kind of in an ebb and not a flow. And that's okay because hopefully there will be a flow on the other side. But right now, like, I'm just not feeling it. That doesn't mean that I'm going to just sit back and completely stop everything and feel sorry for myself. But I'm kind of just trying to do this in between of like giving myself compassion and grace and love and also doing what I can with what I have. Like all of us, for the most part, are already doing naturally. So I hope this episode helps you. I know it's kind of like a a lot of ground that we covered and a lot here. And uh, hopefully I didn't call myself out too, too much. But to wrap up, I have to confess that this is actually my fourth time recording this episode. I deleted three previous recordings before this because I felt like they just weren't good enough. And today, now that I'm concluding this recording, I'm feeling a little bit better about what I've shared with you. So anyway, that is me second guessing myself. If it resonates with you, it would mean so much to me if you could leave a review or send me a message on Instagram at Mary's podcast is where I'm most likely to see it. Because if this resonates with you, then I definitely, definitely want to know. I love you so much and I'll talk to you next time. One last thing before we farewell, my self-lovers. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or rate the show on Spotify. You can do this by searching for the show, Mary's Cup of Tea. Scroll all the way down on Apple Podcasts and you'll see stars where you can click one of the stars and leave a few kind words. It just means so much to me because I'm so behind the scenes when I'm podcasting, so I don't really get to see the impact of the show unless you leave a review. And on Spotify, there's just a button that says rate the show and it'll let you put however many stars you want. Your feedback helps the podcast grow. And as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words mean the world to me. Thank you so much for supporting the show and helping me spread the gift of self-love. I love you all so much and I will talk to you in next week's episode.